Good morning, friends. So lovely to see you this morning, or see part of you. Uh, I'd love to introduce my family to you, my children. And so, Tashi, won't you come up and introduce them? So, morning, um, Common Ground family. It's really lovely to, to be with you all. And we've obviously met some of you in person, and trust that we'll get to meet more of you um, tonight and after the, the service. So, yeah, what a wonderful family. And, yeah, that is our clan. Um, they're not here this morning because they've got commitments back in Port Elizabeth. And we're kind of at the stage now where we can leave a 19-year-old and say, you are in charge. <laughs> so <laughs> it took a long time to get to that season, but it's, it's great. And so Jess is um, 19. Emma is, she's second year varsity. Um, Emma is 17 in grade 11. Nathan is in grade 8. And Jubilee is 10 in grade 4. So we are a little clan. So, yeah. And we, yeah, look forward to getting to know more of you. Um, I do know some of you. Uh, Craig and Heather were part of our leadership team in Joy to the Nations. So if you want to know something a little bit more about us, chat with them. And um, then special friends of ours to my left over there is Mark and Ange, and they were our first eldership couple. I think they were with us for over a decade. So if you want to really, really know about us, then grab that couple and ask whatever you want. We paid them. <laughs> um, just Mandy and your Muso team, thank you. I don't know, there you are, for leading us in worship this morning. You did brilliantly. It was such a privilege to just come and worship, and you Musos work hard together with the sound team. I want to say thank you. Um, also, no, Danny and Cindy from uh, church uh, in Durban, uh, and they tell me they were in our community group that we led, <laughs> and I apologized. <laughs> Uh, but they turned out okay. Hey? <laughs> they turned out okay. I remember uh, supporting their, uh, their little boy play rugby. I think he was, I don't know, about six or seven or around nine. And he had, it was a small little guy with a rugby cap with a lot of courage. And uh, now I've met him and he's grown up. And uh, you suddenly realize time has flown. Uh, and then I also really want to commend this church, and in particular the leadership team, and in particular the eldership team. Uh, to lead a church through COVID is exceptionally challenging. And then to add a leadership transition just takes it up another level. And I'm not sure if you realize how difficult that is for an eldership team or all working full-time just like you are to have that added weight of carrying a church for a fairly significant period. And so um, from the outside looking in, I want to say that um, you have an exceptional leaders to be able to navigate what they've navigated. And so to Gareth and Indira and to Craig and Heather and to Anton Chantel and to the back there and Colin and Cheryl, who I believe aren't here, and uh, Vessel and Antoinette and the leadership team together with Joe. If I haven't mentioned you, it's just because I haven't met you. Um, but really, really well done. I'm, I'm, I really, really mean that. And I think this is something of a commendation to God for, uh, for the road that you've traveled. So well done, well done. 
Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Just give me a bit of grace. Don't judge me on the question, you know, because I'm sure that's what kind of, well, geez, this is not a good start. But here's the question, or here's the scenario. Um, and that is, uh, at a funeral, you, you, uh, you, you have a eulogy. People get up, and they speak about you, and they honor you. So uh, if you can imagine it's your funeral, and people get up to honor you, but they're only allowed to use animals to describe your personality. So, they might say, you might, you might think, okay, maybe they would say, I'm an elephant. I'm just constant. I've got a great memory. I'm loyal. Maybe they might say, I'm a lion. I'm brave and courageous. Maybe they might say, I'm a mother hen. I love to gather people around me. Maybe they might say, I am an owl. I'm wise. I want you to take a moment. What would three animals that you think people would describe you, or if you're sitting with your family, you can tell them what animal you think they would best describe them. And if you're listening online, you can do it too. Good, okay, so you've got your animals, and you haven't judged me, yeah? Good. Well, I'm going to ask you to hold those animals, and we're going to read Psalm 23. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23, and I think it might be up on the screen as well. Will you read with me? Let's pray. Father, as we come to read your word, we really trust that your name will be glorified, Lord, and we trust that we would leave feeling encouraged because we've met with you, the living King. I lift up every person before you, and I pray that you would meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read, friends. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, we arrived in Cape Town just a few days ago, and uh, Tash and I um, hired some bikes, and uh, we went for a cycle. And I thought, well, what would be great is halfway just to stop at a coffee shop. And um, so not knowing Cape Town that well or the area that we were staying, I looked up on TripAdvisor. And I found a coffee shop with 550 reviews. And um, I read some of them. And they were all brilliant. And so I said, well, that's the coffee shop that we're going to go to. Because what TripAdvisor does 
is it takes the risk out of going to a place and finding out because you read people's testimonies and their testimonies bring comfort and security and hope to say, well, maybe this could be really good. I think this is something of a trip advisor review on God. It's David kind of saying, can I let the world know how I experience God? Can I shout out to the generations what God is like? And I think it's something of a five-star review. And this morning, I'm trusting, for those of you here and those of you online, that you would experience in your heart something of God's, of David's raving of his praise and adoration of how he has experienced God in his life. And so, uh, as he looks at how he's experienced God, he uses this image, shepherd, sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And I think it's a beautiful image. We, you know, we, even though we don't, we're not agricultural, we're not agrarian, we don't, you know, often hang around sheep um, or experience it, we, we know enough to, to get something of the illustration. And uh, when, when we start to examine the shepherd and the sheep, we start to see so many parallels between our relationship and God. And it's so accurate and so good that I sometimes think that God created sheep just for this analogy. When you start to see, he thinks, okay, you know, uh, I know guys aren't going to get my relationship, so let me create an animal that will illustrate this relationship. And so uh, it's just a thought, guys, you know, don't know if it's true. You can ask God when you get there one day. So the shepherd, as we, the good shepherd loves the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep by name. The good shepherd provides for the sheep. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. The good shepherd heals the sheep. The good shepherd's voice is recognized by the sheep. The good shepherd goes and finds the sheep that are lost and brings them back into security. The good shepherd protects the sheep from the attacks of the lion and the bear. The good shepherd is by nature sacrificial and loving and caring and redemptive and rescuing and restoring and healing. It's a wonderful image of who God is. That's the shepherd. Let's move across to the sheep. Sheep are good at buying. Bah, bah. Sheep can't fend for themselves. Have you ever seen a sheep try to defend itself against any attack? Sheep get lost. Sheep easily follow other silly sheep. And they're almost completely dependent upon the shepherd. It's not very flattering. Would you agree? <laughs> David says, when I look at my life, what, can I, what, 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 what illustration would best describe our relationship? It's like a shepherd who loves the sheep. He says, I'm just a sheep, but boy, do I have a great shepherd. My shepherd, he provides for me. He protects me. He loves me. He comforts me. He rescues me. 
He restores my soul. The very essence of who I am, he regenerates me. In the trauma of my life, he's with me, and I'm not afraid. Under pressure, his provision is with me, and I'm able to somehow find joy and peace and contentment in the realities and the difficulties of my life. And not only that, is that I'm confident that this good shepherd is going to be with me all the days of my life, both now and forever. This is a real five-star review on the nature and character of God. It's not David telling us kind of, you know, what he thinks about God or what he knows about God or what he's read about God. He says, this is how I experience God. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. David wrote that because he had tasted and he had seen that God is good. And so the word of God really cries out to us this morning as to the goodness of God's leadership over our life. And the, the, the text this morning invites us to long for that relationship. Just as David said, this is my shepherd and this is what he does. So this text says, oh, like, I, I want that. I long for that type of relationship. It shows us that it's possible to have great joy and great peace and great courage and great contentment in the midst of great difficulties. It's saying, in the realities of my life, my shepherd enables me to live like this. You know, for most of us, uh, I think this period has been uh, difficult uh, for many reasons. And in this period, I read this line by an author called Dallas Willard. And he wrote a line that deeply impacted me. He said, you're perfectly safe in the kingdom of God. And he's got, a, he's got a very gentle, soft voice. And um, something just ministered into my heart. You're perfectly safe in the kingdom of God. And that's what David's saying. He's saying, like, you're perfectly safe with a good shepherd. Jesus says the same thing. He says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Not perfect life, not easy life, not trouble-free life but an abundant life. And so David is maybe just opening a window to us this morning of really the life that we're called into. And when I weigh up David's experience of God versus my experience of God, particularly this past year, there seems to be a gap. And I want to bridge that gap. Because if I was writing the psalm, this is what I would say. Brendan wants to be his own shepherd. And he is often anxious, worried, and fearful. If I had to write it over this past year, when I read Psalm 23, I'm like, oh, Lord. Can, I know that you're a good shepherd, but, but would you help me to be a good sheep? Would you help me to position myself so that I can receive that good shepherding? And so I need help. And I suggest that we all need help to live in that place where you can say, 
the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. There is nothing that I lack because of the abundance of the provision and the presence of my king. So it's such a beautiful psalm. Trevor Hudson is a Methodist minister, and um, he takes people on retreats, helps them mature in God, spiritual formation is what he does. And so the first task that he gives them is that uh, he, he gets them to, um, to draw a picture of God. And he says to them, imagine you have to communicate to someone who doesn't know God and doesn't speak English. And the only way you can communicate to them about the nature of God is you can draw. And he gives them a blank piece of paper and some crayons and says, now draw. What would you draw? If you could only explain to people what God is like through a picture, what would you draw? Some people drew a bright, shining sun. Some people drew a rock. Some people drew a castle with refuge. And then he goes on to say, well, whatever you drew, that picture is not complete. You, you know, the, the ability to draw God on a piece of paper you lack. And he says, now I want you to know something, is that your image of God is not complete. And uh, part of Christian growth is changing the image, changing the picture of who God is to align with what he says about himself. In this case, for us, maturity is when we start to align how we view God Versus actually how God really is in Psalm 23. He is loving, kind, patient. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a redeemer. He's a healer. He's a restorer. He is magnificent. And in this period, I found that my gap, how I view God versus the reality of who God is in the scripture grew wider. And this scripture has enabled me to restore confidence this is a good shepherd, the good shepherd. And so Trevor Hudson says that we all have a picture of God and under pressure we, we live from that picture and sometimes that picture is not right. We say things like when we experience God as distance, well, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe God's eyes are upon me, but we struggle to actually be fully convinced that God is a good shepherd. And so the process is actually of, of us growing is consistently coming to the word of God and allowing the word of God to shape the picture of God which shapes our faith or our action. Let me give you an example. In this, uh, we've got a, uh, a friend who's been very generous to us. Um, in fact, uh, in this period, We've had just many friends come alongside us and just being extravagantly kind. And um, recently I was on, the, on, on, a, on a phone call to this friend and um, I was just chatting. He asked me how I was doing and I was chatting. And he said, by the way, you didn't tell me that this was happening in your life. And so I said to him, yes, I know. I didn't want to bother you because I know that you would, in your generosity, sort out that problem. And I didn't want to be a burden to you. 
and I didn't want to be the guy who's always, you know, it's a one-way relationship. Can you understand what I'm trying to get across here? So he said to me, he said, Brendan, you don't understand me. He said, actually, I feel called by God to serve pastors. It's not your job to define, you know, you, you don't be the limit of that. You tell me what's going on. I can decide and hear from God whether I need to respond. And you know what? As he said that, he just liberated me to say, you know, my image of him was wrong. It was based on my thinking and produced a wrong action. And it limited the flow of grace into my life because it started with me. And really, Trevor Hudson is, begins to teach the guys to say, the way that we grow is we have to change the image of who God is to align with who he says he is. And that's the great struggle of faith because our circumstances are so in front of us and our circumstances begin to dictate. We view God through the lens of our circumstances and he no longer becomes a good shepherd. And that's the wonder that we get this morning is just to light a flame under this magnificent text. And that's why this text has been preached throughout generations because it's such a beautiful text. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not sit with sinners and it goes through some land and says, uh, carries on to say, uh, that he meditates on the law day or night, and the result of that medication, meditation, <laughs> it's been a rough year. <laughs> the result of the meditation is fruitfulness. It's not because he reads the word and there's fruitfulness, it's because he reads the word and his image of who God is is transformed and that produces a changed life which impacts others, which is fruitfulness. And so in this season, more than ever before, we need to be found with meditating on the Word of God until our image is changed to align with what the Word of God says. And I, I do want to say that there are times, because David does talk about the realities of his life, he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he talks about the presence of enemies. There are times in our lives where we go through things, sometimes through our own fault and sometimes just through the reality of lives, which are so traumatic that even when we try and reach out to God, it feels like he's dis distant. It feels like when we read the word and when we pray, it feels like God's a million miles away. And we say, look, Lord, I want to experience you as a good shepherd, but I have to be honest, I'm struggling. And I think that's okay to voice that to God. But the beautiful thing is that uh, we sheep, and sheep are plural. It's a flock of sheep. And God places us in community. And there are times when it's good and healthy to actually say to the flock that's around us, the friends that are around us, my image of God is not what it should be. Would you help me? lift up this good shepherd in front of me? Would you do that? Would you restore the image of God? Because I'm struggling. You're not asking for advice. You're not looking for that. You're just looking that the magnificent shepherd that you know be restored. It's just being, learning to be vulnerable amongst the sheepies that are around you. 
Don't forget we're sheepies. We're not the sharpest animals around. That's the image of God. So I asked you a question. What animal did you choose? And uh, you can come tell me afterwards. But I want to ask, how many of you chose sheep as your animal? (laughs) I'm gathering zero. And the reason is, is that none of us really like to admit that we're sheep. Um, We'd much rather be a lion or an eagle or an owl or a mother hen or some magnificent animal, but a sheep, not for me. Um, Or maybe to put it another way, we'd much rather be the shepherd. We'd much rather be the one who decides where to go to the one who takes leadership over our own lives. And the Bible consistently says, you're just sheep lost and you need a shepherd. Jesus looks over a crowd and says, they're like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. And so I think it's a beautiful thing to just acknowledge I'm just a sheep. Lord, I actually, I thought I was a shepherd, I thought I was a lion, I thought I was an eagle, but I'm not. I'm just a sheep. I do silly things. I need rescuing. I need healing. I need leadership. I need provision. And not only that, but I long for it because I've seen my shepherding is not the best. When I look at the image of how you do, that's what I really long for. And I think all of us, and you don't know me, how can you say that? I think all of us have areas where we don't want God to shepherd us. Where we say, God, that's, that's an area where I'm quite happy to lead. Uh, because if you lead it, it might not go the way that I want to. And that's how we grow. Growing in God is that process of allowing the sh- good shepherd to invade every part of our lives. And um, the thing about those areas is probably you don't know them. That's why you don't even let God in. And so it's helpful just to ask people who love you and say, hey, um, what do you think are areas that are, that are no-go areas for God? It requires some courage to ask that. People who love you, and maybe even people from a different culture, because often different cultures can see things that you don't see. Just people at work say, hey, are there any areas that you think that I would struggle to trust God in? And just listen, see if there's any reality, and then say, hey, God, I want you to be a good shepherd. And the reason why I'm holding on to these areas, it might be your career, it might be who you're going to marry, it might be your finances, it might be, is because you think, and I think, that we're better shepherds than God. And this text comes and just reignites the passion to say, he is a good shepherd. His shepherding is so much better than ours. You know, we find ourselves um, in, a, in a waiting pattern, almost like a plane that's, um, that circles in, you know, in the sky, waiting f- to come down and land. And no one flying enjoys that holding pattern. They just want to land. And for me and my family, certainly flying around in transition is very difficult. And all that I wanted to do was make a plan. And uh, there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. 
There's another scripture that says, wait upon the Lord. And those are great scriptures until you actually have to live them out. <laughs> and, and actually completely yield yourself to the shepherding of God, regardless of the consequences. And, and that's really where God wants to get us, to the place where we are completely yielded to his shepherding over our lives. And the reason is because he's a better shepherd than we are. He's a magnificent shepherd. I think that to acknowledge that we're just sheep requires humility. But humility is the entrance gate to hearing the shepherd's voice. Humility just opens the door to hearing the shepherd's voice, the master's voice. I long to hear his voice. I long to hear his voice leading me. I'm 51. I'm not that impressed with my leadership. I've seen it. I long for God's voice. I love the fact that David says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, kind of as I read it, I, I, I kind of have this feeling of, uh, you know, when little kids say, that's my dad, and his car's bigger than yours, and he's stronger than your dad. It's like, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, um, I, I think he's really boasting. And it's not like God is my CEO or my chairman or my boss. No, he's my shepherd. And shepherding for God is not a task. It's not a function. It's the action of a loving father towards his children. And so Psalm 23 gives us an incredible picture of the commitment of God towards us. You know, we, we often say this line, He's a committed Christian or she's a committed Christian. Have you heard that? You know, say, oh, that person, they really are a committed Christian. And what we mean by that is that we see in their lives, they devoted to God. We see the way they pray, the way they live lives. They devoted, oh, that person's a committed Christian. But I very seldom heard about a committed God towards us. And this psalm actually mostly is talking about how God is committed to David, not David's commitment to God. He says, he's my shepherd he makes me lie down. He leads me to water. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He restores my soul. He's with me in the valley of the shadow of death. He lays a table with me. He will be with forevermore. It's all about God's commitment to us. That's a change of picture. In our hearts, we start to actually think, actually, whilst I understand our response to that is beautiful and it's good, our commitment back to God, but it starts with him. He is committed to you. And he's committed to you in your circumstances. And I think at this point, it's when we start to realize, as David talked about my shepherd, is that we get to do the same. We get to use the personal pronoun for those who are teachers. I think it's a personal pronoun. My. 
is there any more beautiful personal pronoun than my? My shepherd. And Jesus begins to become beautiful at this point. Because the reason why we can say we have God as our good shepherd is because of Christ. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. In other words, everything that I need for life and godliness, I experience through my relationship with God. I have no lack. And so Jesus coming to earth as flesh and saying, I am the good shepherd. Well, of course he is because he's he's the exact replica of the father. The father is a good shepherd and therefore the son is the good shepherd. And uh, we experience no lack because Jesus did experience lack. You know, I think sometimes we get inoculated to the truth of Christ on the cross because it's part of our faith. It's, you know, we hear it all the time that sometimes it loses its impact. And so this morning, I'm really trusting that a fresh appreciation and a fresh value comes for what Jesus did for us the good shepherd becoming the sacrificial lamb so that you could have access to the good shepherd both now and forevermore. And probably for the first time, we'll go, oh, thank you. Thank you. It's not just, well, you died for my sins and I get to heaven. You died for my sins and I get reconciled to this five-star review that David has given of our king. So David really is so encouraging. This is really what he's saying. Or maybe another way to put it is, why is this Psalm 23, what did God intend for this text? What's his big idea? What's God really wanting to say to you and me? He's wanting to say to you and me that he is able to lead you, to guide you, to restore you, to care for you, to heal you, to transform you, to rescue you, to be with you through traumatic times, that he will do this today and forevermore and for eternity. And I think the intention of this text is to resurrect a magnificent God in your heart and in mine, such that brings confidence and courage for you to live tomorrow. And you're able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And that's a journey that God invites us on. It's a cry, it's the, the psalm is crying out to invite you into learning how to listen and to obey the master's voice.